Welcome to Pound the Rock, an NBA podcast by The Score. We're here for a special emergency, sound the alarms, uh, reaction episode to the absolutely earth-shattering news that the Raptors, through the middle of the night, agreed to a trade for Kawhi Leonard. DeMar DeRozan, Yakup Pirtle, and a top 20 protected pick going the other way. Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, both on expiring contracts, coming to Toronto. I'm Joseph Cacharo, filling in hosting duties for William Liu, who's camping somewhere and on his way back, as far as we know. Joined, as always, by Joe Wolfon. What up? And uh, first, actually second time joining the pod, first time in studio, Alex Wong. Alex is as excited to join the podcast <laughs> as Kawhi is to join the Toronto Raptors. I did so, leave you a voicemail at 10 in the morning. You did, that's today, right. To self-invite myself on here. So. Well, and it worked. It worked. <laughs> Bet on yourself, man. All right, let's talk Kawhi. Let's talk Raptors. Uh, Wolf, I'll start with you. You wrote a great piece today about how DeMar DeRozan has been the heart and soul of the Raptors and kind of represents everything they've been the last half decade. So let's start there. You wrote about the emotional toll and cost of what the Raptors did today. How much do you think that matters? I guess it depends who you ask. If you ask a Raptors fan who's been devoted to this franchise for the last nine years um i think you would hear that it's really hard um you know this is a team that hasn't really had a lot of luck over the years at signing star players retaining star players um and just having any kind of cultural cachet whatsoever so um the fact that they had this player who was so visibly committed to them um and so open about his desire to play there pretty much for his entire career and not just that, but but the way he carried himself and the way he acted just as an ambassador for the franchise and for basketball in Toronto, I think meant a lot to a lot of different people. So I think that, you know, you can't discount that. And, um, you know, we, we lose sight of that, I think, a lot of the time when we talk about these trades, when we talk about the NBA as a whole, we tend to look at it in these kind of cold, rational, analytical terms. And there's more to it than that, and I think you know, for the city of Toronto and for Raptors fans, losing DeMar DeRozan is going to be a big loss. It's one that's going to be felt. And I think that's especially true when the guy coming back for as otherworldly talented as he is, is not necessarily the most outgoing, outwardly charismatic person um, in the league or, you know, like I I think um, he's not necessarily going to endear himself to Raptors fans uh, the way that DeMar DeRozan did, you know, depending on kind of how the situation goes. But it's it's seemingly off to a pretty bumpy start with the report that he has no interest in playing in Toronto. So, um, you know, for fans to have grown attached to a player who's been so committed to playing here and have him replaced with a player who is out there saying that he has no interest in playing here uh, makes it a bit of a tough sell. All right, Alex, from the Kawhi standpoint, let's start there. Um, do you buy for a second that Kawhi Leonard would actually consider sitting out and no. holding out. No, there's no way. We were talking earlier, too. Like, he would give up, like, what, his $20 million salary next year. And, like, I know he's talked a lot about, or his people have talked a lot about, wanting to go to L.A. next summer. Even if that's your plan, like, what's the point of sitting out an entire year? Like, I get if you were doing that in San Antonio to force a trade out of somewhere. But at some point, like, you just got to get back on the court and play. And, like, he's going to get the money anyways because he's Kawhi Leonard and every team has cap space next summer. But, I mean, there's nothing beneficial to him sitting entire year. I think that's just, like, really bad advice that he would be getting. 
if it wasn't his own decision. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's part of the equation, right? Is it seems like he might have been getting bad advice for a while now. But, you know, the whole, like, he's going to get paid thing, to me, you can, if you're a superstar at, like, Kawhi's level, you're going to get paid if you're coming off one injured, like, you know, he's 27, he's still in his prime. One quad injury isn't going to change how people perceive him as, like, whether he's a max player or not. You sit out another year because you don't like where you got traded, now you're going to go into unrestricted free agency with nine games played over your last two years and still expect teams to bet on you as a max player? That's where I think there's a legitimate question to be asked of. At that point, do teams even want to give you a max contract? Not only that, but he's 27. He's squarely in his Mm -hmm. physical prime right now. So to just give up a year of that, like you're saying, a year ahead of free agency when he would presumably be getting a max contract if he played anywhere close to his potential this coming season i just think i don't see the angle from his perspective like you know what would he be doing you know proving some sort of a point um or trying to just force a trade before he has to play a game in toronto i just i just don't see what's in it for him and you know if he like eventually he's going to resign himself to the fact that he's not going to play for the lakers this season if he's intent on going there he is going to be there in a year so you know, what is the downside risk for him? Like, I guess there's a chance that he could get injured and that could scuttle any plans that he might have to get a max deal to go and play with the Lakers. But, I mean, I, I just... <laughs> like, eventually you have to play. So, um, you know, I, I just don't see what he gains from sitting out. And also, like, didn't when LeBron signed with the Lakers, there were some reports that Kawhi was not interested in playing with LeBron? Like, I feel like there's a thing here where, like, you know, you can't get into Kawhi's mind, obviously, but... Does he even want to be, like, the guy to join up with LeBron? Like, I know he could go with the Clippers, too, I guess, if he really wanted to go to L.A. So, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, he might not want to go to Los Angeles. Yeah. And a lot of things could change in, like, a year's time anyways, too, right? Yeah, and that's the big thing, too, that I think people that are down on this trade from the Raptors' perspective, like, we'll get into why some people might be down on it, why I think it's a good move, but... If you're down on it, people are assuming it's because there's a 0% chance that the Raptors can retain Kawhi Leonard and they've dealt an all-star who loved the city for a guy that doesn't even want to be here and he's leaving in a year. The most recent example, obviously, is Paul George that we can point to, that everyone thought it was crazy that Oklahoma City, like small market team, um, bet on one year of Paul George, convincing him to stay there instead of going to LA, and that worked. And I'm not saying every situation is going to be like that, but there are countless examples of you know, in history, not just with free agents, but why you should never take things for granted. We've talked about it on this podcast. The Spurs and Kawhi Leonard are a perfect example of that. Like a year ago, not even a year, full year ago, like coming into training camp, when you talked about like superstar plus franchise partnerships, Kawhi and the Spurs was as seamless a partnership as you can imagine. And I I wrote today about like why this deal was worth the risk for the Raptors. And I also kind of ripped the Spurs for the way this has all gone down. And it's like, Kawhi was the quiet, unassuming superstar who was taking the torch in the house that David and Timmy built, right? It was like so perfect. And then one mismanaged quad injury and look at the fallout from it. And no one could have predicted that. So anyone who claims, unless you're in Kawhi's circle, right? Unless you're Uncle Dennis right now talking to me, okay? Unless you're Kawhi or Uncle Dennis, don't tell me that you know exactly what Kawhi is doing a year from now because none of us know. Is it likely that he will leave Toronto? Yeah, I'd say it is probably likely, but no one can sit here and say with 100% certainty that they know what Kawhi Leonard's doing. Yeah, also, like, if you set aside the fact that, like, Kawhi doesn't want to be in Toronto or NBA players, stars don't want to be in Toronto, like, in a year's time, if he's healthy and the team's done well again, like, 150-plus games, 
gone deep in the playoffs, I don't know, make the finals. Like, from a basketball standpoint, where else are you going to go to find, like, a better organization and have the pieces in place, right? Like, Masai's built the team now, and even after this trade, where once he pivots away from, like, Kyle and Serge, he's going to have all these young guys to be the supporting guys. And then that's what you need is a guy like Kawhi to be, like, the star player, right? So if you put aside, like, all this stuff about him for sure leaving Toronto in a year and everything else, like, just looking at it from, like, a basketball standpoint, it actually makes perfect sense for him to stay in Toronto. Like, this is a place for, like, a superstar to be if you want to contend and don't care about, like, where you're playing, like at, like a Los Angeles. Yeah, it's just weird because we... <sighs> We haven't heard anything about basketball reasons, you know, from... from we haven't heard anything, haven't heard anything from, from Kawhi, from, period. We haven't heard anything from Kawhi, period. But, you know, the stuff that has been very sort of tactically, not tactfully, but tactically leaked to the media um, from Kawhi's people is all about, you know, like branding and wanting to go play in Los Angeles and like having this sort of feeling of breached trust with the Spurs organization. Like none of it has had to do with the basketball situation he was in or wanting to go to the Lakers because he wants to play with LeBron and win a title there. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't heard a word about, you know, what what he envisions himself doing yeah. at, like as a basketball player and the kind of basketball situation he wants to be in. So I don't know that that's necessarily even on his radar right now. But again, it's like you say, like we don't know what he's thinking or what he's feeling or what his motivations are at all. And look, th- like that to me is kind of what makes it so different from the Paul George situation because... Yes, Paul George informed the Pacers that he wasn't going to re-sign. Yes, it was out there that he wanted to go and sign with the Lakers. But he wasn't out there, you know, leaking these reports that he was going to tell any team that traded for him that he was just going to go and sign with the Lakers anyway. When the trade was announced, like, he immediately, like, uh, posted a photo on Instagram of him and Russell Westbrook together, like, talked about how excited he was to go there. And that just obviously hasn't happened with Kawhi yet. It's it's early days, but um, given the way the last few months have played out, I don't necessarily see that happening. And the first report we have immediately after the trade breaks is that he has no interest in playing in Toronto. So we didn't see any of that with Paul George, and I feel like the situation is a little bit different this time around. I think if there's a concern for the Raptors, it's that there's an element of ill will there on his part because he felt like he's made it very clear that he wanted to go to LA. He didn't want any other team to trade for him. And now it's like, you traded for me anyway, and now I have to come and play in Canada. Um, So maybe the spite on his part is such that he just, he will hold out, you know, money be damned. He did pass up the Supermax contract. So maybe money isn't as much of an issue right now for him as we might expect. Um, There's just like a lot of facets to this that we have no idea about and, I'm pretty interested to see how it shakes out. Yeah, I, look, I think I think essentially the Raptors were, I, I don't know about the only team, but certainly I guess the most willing team to call his bluff is what happened here, right? Um, other teams, maybe they were scared away. Like, what I'm fascinated by is are there teams sitting there right now thinking, wait, we could have got him for that? Like, we could have we beat that package? Because it's one thing to be like Boston and Philly I mean, like, well, obviously we could have beat that package. We just didn't want to. But I think there might be some teams out there that did not realize Kawhi could be had for, and I'm, I'm not trying to downplay how good DeMar DeRozan is, but it's like, come on. In the grand scheme of things, if someone had told Masai Ujiri he could have Kawhi Leonard, you know, for without having to give up OG Anunoby, Pascal Siakam, DeLon Wright, by the only pick he has to give up is a top 20 protected pick. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> he's doing backflips. So... 
yeah, like I think there's probably some teams out there that are a little just like when Boogie got traded, um, and I know that only ended up being a, a year and two month rental, but same thing happened, right? When the Boogie thing happened, there was a bunch of teams out there that couldn't believe that he ended up going for such a low price. I don't, I don't buy that really though because it, it, it's impossible for me to believe that the Spurs wouldn't have done their due diligence. Like if they wanted a different package, they could have called any other team and said, "Look, this is what we're getting offered from Toronto. Do you want to beat this?" and I don't think they were ever just going to, you know, look, Kawhi's been on the block for a long time. So they've had ample opportunity to talk to every other team in the league pretty much and figure out what other teams are willing to offer. Um, I don't think they were just jumping on this offer without knowing whether another team would beat it. I think they probably knew that this was as good as it was going to get. And maybe, you know, it's not objective. Like, subjectively, maybe this is just the package they liked best and a package from another team might have looked better to us. But that was the same case with the boogie trade, right? Where it came out afterward, there were other teams that had offered different packages that we might have said looked better. But, uh, you know, Vivek loved him some Buddy Heald. So, you know, boogie went to the Pelicans. Um, You just never quite know how these internal valuations go. And I think at the end of the day, the Spurs probably got the best package that they felt they could get. Yeah, I bet too, like teams probably wanted to like talk to Kawhi's people or talk to Kawhi or get more information about like what happened with his injury last year and it sounds like because Brian Windhorst was saying that like Kawhi hasn't passed a physical and all that stuff I bet you they were willing to do this deal because Masai was the only guy that was willing to just take on all those risks and do the trade right like you guys are right like Boston or Philly probably could have put together a way better package than the Raptors, but they probably insisted on those things, right? To be able to at least speak to Kawhi or get some more information out of him. And it sounds like from all the reports that like the Raptors didn't do any of that, right? Like they just made the trade and now they're going to figure it out. And and that to me is the perfect example of like Masai Ujiri betting on himself, right? As he should. And this is like what I was railing on the last time we did a podcast is that Masai should bet on the culture that he's instilled in Toronto and, and and on himself. This is a guy that literally earlier this week, you know, days before trading for Kawhi Leonard, was at a um, like the opening of a academic and athletic uh, center in Kenya with Barack Obama. Like this guy's literally rubbing shoulders with the Obamas. Okay, he's got some influence, and he should be confident in his ability to pitch guys not just on Toronto but on his vision on himself. And I think that's what this is. And yeah, he should have absolutely done it. The other thing too, like we talk about the package that it ended up taking, Demar Pirtle and a top 20 protected mm-hmm. first, which st- even just saying that still boggles my mind, like a top 20 protected first. But like the DeRozan thing, if if what the Spurs wanted was, apparently they wanted an established all-star, right? Because um, the as solid as Jakob Pirtle is, I don't think anyone, including the Spurs, is looking at that guy as like a foundational, like franchise-changing young player. He's not. Um, so it seems like DeRozan was the key piece of the deal, which is an established all-star. But thing is, DeMar DeRozan's contract's only one year longer than Kawhi Leonard's. So it's not like the Spurs obtained this player that is like, well, now we don't have to worry about this. Like, this guy's locked in for four years or just not like... He's technically got one extra year um, than Kawhi Leonard had. And that's another reason why, to me, it's a no-brainer from Toronto's perspective. Because you're not giving up any of your best prospects. Regardless of what people think about DeMar DeRozan, the Raptors did not give up their most valuable on-court contributor. That's Kyle Lowry. So they kept him. They kept their best prospects. They only gave up a top 20 protected pick. And really all they did is they gave up an extra year of team control going from DeMar to Kawhi. Like I, I just struggle, other than what Joe talked about, and I understand it, that like emotional attachment to DeRozan. Mm-hmm. 
I struggle to see how anyone who roots for the Toronto Raptors could could not like this deal. No, just from like a basketball standpoint, this is like I know there's all this like asterisk about like you know if he's gonna be healthy, if he's gonna be here, but this is a slam dunk deal, man. Like they swapped out Demar for Kawhi, basically, to a 59 win team. How are you gonna sleep on Jakob Pertl like that, man? Yeah, shouts to Jakob, man. I saw Fred Fred Finfleet shouted him out and said that Queen's key will never be the same. Again. <laughs> so I got kind of sad seeing that actually. Yeah, man. I feel for Pascal. You know, those guys were such good buzz. They had fantastic on court chemistry. Um, I feel like he might be a little lost next year. And I honestly think that that um, uh, Pertl is gonna be a really good spur. I think like, so too. He's he's a really nice big who moves his feet super well, can defend, protect the rim has great hands, is a really nice passer. Like, I think he'll fit their culture really, really well. Um, I don't know, you know, he's not going to be an all-star, I don't think, but he, I think he could be a solid starter for a long time. So I don't think that's a, just like a negligible throw-in in the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think he was on the lower end of the spectrum as far as Raptors prospects are concerned. So they did really well by being able to keep OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, DeLon Wright, Fred Van Vliet, like those guys, I think were probably more valuable in the long term than Pirtle was. Um, I, I think the low cost of the deal, like that's exactly why Masai Ujiri made this deal when he did, because he probably figured like at a certain point, if teams were going to be allowed to start talking to Kawhi's team, if they were going to get a look at his medicals, you know, if he was going to go to this Team USA camp and look fantastic. Mm-hmm then maybe suddenly they're out of the running because a team like Philly or Boston decides, oh yeah, he looks great, he's still the same old Kawhi, we're going to make an offer and we're going to get him. Right now, when there is this much uncertainty, was really the only time that a team like the Raptors, who can't really you know, like match uh, a team like Boston or Philly or the Lakers as far as prospect capital, could swoop in and use their, uh, use their assets and, and put together a package that, like Alex said, is like a slam dunk deal, right? Like they... The, the timing was really important for them, I think. And for the Spurs, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they could have done better by waiting longer, but that also increases their risk profile in a deal like this. So, um, look, I, I don't think this is a bad deal necessarily for the Spurs, given all the circumstances. A year ago, it would have seemed insane for this to be the return they got for Kawhi. But, but given everything that's happened over the last few months, I, I think they did okay. And at the end of the day, look, they won 47 games last year without Kawhi. Um, they're adding a, an all-star and an all-NBA player in DeMar DeRozan to that team. Um, they are going to get another draft pick next year, which will you know help them in the long term. And I think for them, too, probably, they're thinking Popovich is not going to be coaching there for that much longer. And for him, if he's going to coach there for two more years, say, I, I think that they probably felt they owed it to him to at least put a really competitive team on the floor for those two years. How do you guys see the... Because what I was going to pivot to is how competitive this team will actually be in a very loaded Western Conference. I mean, the West is always loaded, but like you look back at last year, like look at that Nuggets team that missed the playoffs. They're going to get better if they're healthy. Um, the Lakers, obviously, regardless of how kind of bamboozling their post-LeBron moves were, they still have LeBron James, or at least going to be a playoff team. Like San Antonio might not be a playoff team. Seriously, like how do you guys see the DeRozan... LaMarcus Aldridge like mid-range maestro competition going because I don't know I I'm not exactly liking the way I'm envisioning it in my head you could probably name like six or seven teams that are ahead of the Spurs like right away like in the west 
Yeah, I don't know, man. Just because they're the Spurs, they'll probably win like 45 games just because. Like, they'll always beat like the Atlanta Hawks and like the Charlotte Hornets yeah. of the league, like in the regular season. But like, yeah, like, like Wolfon was saying, they did this deal just to like stay competitive for however long Pop wants to stay, right? And like, that's it. And the, they're not going to crack like the top four in the West with like DeMar and LaMarcus Aldridge as their guys because they don't really have a lot of young guys outside of like Murray who has like any upside, right? They don't have any blue chip prospects. Yeah. Like even DeJounte Murray, who I like, the yeah. guy's not a blue chip prospect. Right. right. And they didn't get any in this deal. Yeah. This and is really weird. Top 20 like, protected yeah. picks not going to turn into one. It's weird. It's like the Spurs have been so consistent and so good for like, what, 20, 30 years? They've missed the playoffs four times in 42 years in the NBA. Yeah. And now they're like, this is so, so different for them. Like there's just, there's just another team now in the West. Yeah. I mean, we'll see like what Lonnie Walker looks like because maybe he's that blue chip prospect. Yep. Um, I, I'm pretty high on Murray still, and I'm pretty interested to see what Popovich can mold out of this team and what he can make out of DeRozan. I will say the Spurs have had a lot of success in the past of just cutting against the grain. And like two years ago when they won 67 games, um, or three years ago, maybe it was, but like they won 67 games that year and they shot more mid-range jumpers than any other team in the league. Like they're really good at finding, I think, um, certain inefficiencies. And when the league is kind of skewing in one direction, they tend to veer the other. And I I don't think that necessarily means that they're just going to go all in on this approach to shoot only (laughs) mid-range jumpers, even though, you know, that's the personnel they have, but they have proven to be very adaptable and to mold their philosophy around the personnel that they have rather than kind of the other way around. So one thing is like defenses willingly give up mid-range jump shots these days. So to have two of the best mid-range jump shooters in the league is not the worst thing in the world. Both those guys are really effective playing in the post. DeRozan is a guy who I think has made great, great strides as a playmaker. Um, and, uh, you know, the ball kind of sticks in his hands a little bit more than the Spurs would probably like. But I think, you know, with an offseason in that system is probably going to figure out pretty quickly how he can best utilize that skill set playing with San Antonio. They're light on shooting, um, but, you know, they're always a top defensive team. And, you know, even with the addition of DeRozan, I expect them to be a top defensive team again. Pirtle will help in that regard as well. And he, to me, will be a big upgrade on Pau Gasol defensively, like, Gasol and Aldridge together. I don't know how the Spurs made it work defensively last year. They were a top five defensive team with those two guys playing together. Um, Pirtle's much better at that end of the floor. And I don't know. I just, I never put anything past Pop. I I just think he's going to figure out a way to make it work to the point that they're going to be a a 50 win team. And you're right. They probably, they they probably won't crack the top four. Um, but I see them being at least in like the 45 to 50 win range and being like a six or seven seed. I don't see them missing the playoffs. And honestly, looking at the Lakers roster right now, I don't know if the Lakers are as good as the Spurs. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I, I'd agree with that top to bottom. I just, I guess, can't see LeBron James missing the playoffs. But if, if it's possible anywhere, it would be in this Western Conference. How much do you guys put stock in the... Um, I guess, one, a lot of people seem to assume, like, you know, this is going to sour Kyle Lowry. I don't buy that personally because he got over Rudy Gay being traded and found a new best friend in DeRozan. I think it can happen again, right? Maybe Kawhi Leonard will be his new best friend. But more so, how much do you guys put stock in, like, you had Chris Haynes reporting that players 
took notice of the fact that in the press release for the deal, the Raptors didn't have like a thank you to DeMar DeRozan and, and even like their tweet thanking him wasn't like detailed enough. And then Anthony Morrow, and it's Anthony Morrow, it's not exactly LeBron James, but Anthony Morrow tweeted that like players will remember this kind of stuff in free agency that like um, kind of the way they did DeMar. No, what man. what is your take on it? Do you nah. put any stock in that whatsoever? No, because players don't even consider the Raptors in free agency to begin <laughs> with. So, like, what are all these players coming out of the woodwork being like, now we're going to remember and we're not going to take a meeting with you? Like, whoever took a meeting with the Raptors? Like, Aldridge? Aldridge took a meeting, right? Or did Masai, yeah. like, track him down in a well, hotel Well, Masai apparently wowed him. Right. So, like, I, I know players always come out and say all this loyalty stuff, and I get it. But, like, it cuts both ways too, right? Like, players will leave teams or teams will do this like DeMar will not take a meeting with any other team sign with the Raptors and then two years later he gets traded right so like this stuff happens all the time and like that's just I mean massage is doing business I mean I don't want to be like cold-hearted about it but like it you, it the deals on the table you're gonna do it and like like Wolfon was saying like DeMar has so much value to like the city of Toronto beyond just like on the court but like nah I hate when players like say that stuff like you tell me if you're like a middling player and the Raptors offer you like a max deal you're gonna not take a meeting because you remembered that they Masai told Damar he wasn't gonna trade him at summer league and then he did two weeks later like nah man I don't I, don't, I, don't, I hate that stuff I also think if that were actually the case then you know the majority of the league would be out of the running in free agency right like no one would be looking at the Clippers Sacramento would be in the G League for God's sake like. right um, yeah, they said they told Boogie they weren't going to trade him, and um, the Clippers told Blake like they gave, they gave him a free agent pitch where his number was being retired <laughs> at Staples Center. You know, a Clipper for life. The Celtics did Isaiah Thomas dirty. Like this is just kind of how it goes, and it sucks when it happens. But to think that somehow this one thing is going to stand out against all the rest is kind of insane. And yeah, Alex is right. Like nobody takes meetings with the Raptors anyway, so it's kind of like. It's a little bit of hot air, you know? It's like, oh, we weren't going to take a meeting with you before, but we're really not going to take a meeting with you now. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, they, like, if the Raptors go to the finals this year, then teams are going to want to play there. Like, they're, they're going to want to play in a place where there's, a, like, tremendous fan investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play in a big market in a great city, and there is a strong culture there that has been, you know, building for the last five years. So I don't... I don't put a lot of stock in Anthony Morrow saying that, <laughs> that uh, people are going to remember this. But we'll see. I mean, I do think it's kind of interesting that um, it was Chris Haynes who had that report. Chris Haynes also had the report that Kawhi Leonard had zero interest in playing in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So it, it feels like there might be a particular angle there that he's mm-hmm. hammering. But uh, again, we'll just have to wait and see how this all shakes out. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is like the scariest part for me is you just mentioned it like if the Raptors like make the finals and like have a great season and Kawhi has a great season the scariest thing for me is like if that all happens and Kawhi still leaves then I'll be like damn like when are the Raptors ever gonna be able to keep a guy you know what I mean like we always talk about like man we've built this culture up we've got Masai we've got a great team what happens if we're actually really good and then the guy leaves anyways because he just wants to go to LA like, that'll just kill that narrative for this city. I will say, if that happens, I think that's more about Kawhi wanting to be in L.A. than it is about him wanting, not wanting Toronto. You know what I mean? I think that's more of an L.A. thing than an anti-Toronto thing. But I agree with both you guys in that. I think it's complete bogus. Whether it's Anthony Moore, whoever's saying it, it's bogus, okay? Like, if, if, if you're being offered 
money and the situation is good for you professionally, personally, with your family, whatever the case may be, you're going there. You're not going to not go there because, whoa, I remember they did this all-star dirty two years ago. It's like, no, man, you're going to look out for yourself as you should. And it's a two-way street. It's the same reason why fans shouldn't be mad at players, you know, or like holding loyalty over their heads when players want to go play wherever the hell they want to go play. If you if you want to go play for whatever team because you just want to win or you want to go somewhere else because you just want the biggest contract, all good. Guess what? It's a two-way street. A team can want you one day and one bad year later or one bad playoff series later not want you anymore. Like that's how it goes. And if they think they're expanding their window or whatever the case may be by ditching you and your contract that's part of the business so the loyalty thing both ways we know that there's no loyalty like we're all smart enough to know this stop bringing it up like every single time one of these things goes down no just look at Kawhi. Kawhi is a perfect example yeah. man he was perfect with the spurs and then suddenly he just decided now that he's just gonna sit out and not play for them anymore like it cuts both ways yep like he bailed on the franchise right he just yep. decided he's not gonna play for them anymore yeah i I mean, yeah, we don't we, we don't entirely know everything that happened behind the yeah. scenes there, and I don't know, maybe we never will. Maybe a book will come out a few years from now and we'll get the inside story, but, like, there's all this talk about a breach of trust and a betrayal. You know, did they rush him back from this injury that they maybe misdiagnosed? Was it about the Jordan deal that he got at the beginning of the season that was so embarrassingly bad? Did um, Tony Parker really have a worse quad injury? <laughs> so and many also, questions. And also, yeah. Kawhi doesn't have, like, he's not going to be able to build a brand just because he goes to Los Angeles. That's my pitch for him to stay in Toronto. Yeah, like, you're still going to be Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard's brand is that he's really good at basketball, and that's the one thing he's not doing right now. If anything, I'd say his brand has become the fact that he's got no brand. Like, his, his brand saying. is that he's brandless. His logo is his hand. Yeah, his brand like, is you can't market that, hands. man. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, a great, some, it's a great brand. In some industries, that might be a great <laughs> brand. but um, And basketball is one of them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. like Not in politics and not in... <laughs> No, but I actually like that that's kind of the reason that I don't necessarily buy into I mean, I think that may be part of it, especially if you think about you know, the people who might be kind of whispering in his ear. But for Kawhi himself, I gotta think he knows that like he's not just gonna go to a different market and be some like larger than life superstar mm-hmm. because it's not in his nature and I'm sure he knows that, you know? Like that in some ways is why San Antonio seems so perfect for him because mm-hmm. It was more of a team-oriented culture, and it was a little bit more low-key, and he got to act, you know, quiet and goofy in those H-E-B commercials. Like, that was a great fit. And, look, I, I don't know why he wants to go elsewhere. Maybe he just wants to go and play at home. Um, but at the end of the day, like, yeah, it's... I, I don't know how much is really going to change for him. I think, if anything, like, the last year has probably uh, put a bit of a stain on his reputation around the league. But he could also just completely wash that away with one incredible season where he leads the Raptors to the finals. Like, this stuff can change really fast. And, I mean, yeah, I, that, that's why, you know, just to bring this conversation full circle, that's why I expect him to play this season and, you know, assuming he's healthy, play very well because he has every incentive to do so. Yeah, and that's, you mentioned the play very well thing. I think, in case anyone forgot who Kawhi Leonard is, this is the guy that, Average 25 a game um, on insane efficiency while shouldering the number one offensive burden and being an all-world defender, like defensive player of the year on the other end. It's already a final. He was a finals MVP at, what, like, 23 years old. He's a two-time defensive player of the year. Like, this is this is not just a – like, I saw a couple people tweeting about how, like, well, DeRozan was an, a second-team All-NBA-er, and, like, even if Kawhi is, like, a first-team – is, like, is the – 
Is the difference that much? The difference is that much if Kawhi Leonard is healthy. DeMar DeRozan is a fine player, and he deserves credit for turning himself into the player he became. But if you think that DeMar DeRozan is on, like, peak Kawhi Leonard's planet, you're not watching the same sport as us because they're not on the same planet. No, put it this way. When did Kawhi... Kawhi won his finals MVP that that last year LeBron was in Miami, right? So the last time Kawhi played LeBron in the playoffs, he was technically better than him and won the championship yeah whereas like demar in the playoffs the last time he went up against lebron fouled jordan clarkson <laughs> on a breakaway while they were a quarter away from being swept yeah like like the raptors can't do any better as a regular season team right like they've done everything that they can and like i don't think next regular season really matters if they like only win like 48 games or 50 games or whatever like they need a guy for the playoffs and that's what that's that's it like that's all Masai's doing right like there's a closing window on this team and he's taking a bet that they're going to be able to be really, really good and maybe make the finals for a year. And he gets to get off DeMar's contract. Like, if you remove all the, like, sentimental value about it, right? Like, that was part of the thing for him, too. Yeah, you could just use a couple of gifts probably to illustrate what this move means. And one of them would be, like, LeBron scoring on a fast break against the Raptors and falling into the crowd and pretending to take a swig of beer. And the other would be him watching Kawhi Leonard check into the game, looking over and just like wincing in visible frustration that Kawhi was back to torment him. Like this is, the Raptors have never had a player of this caliber before, frankly. Um, They certainly have never had a defensive player of this caliber and arguably nobody has. Like Kawhi is legitimately at the peak of his powers, one of, one of the absolute best defensive players we have ever seen. Ever, yeah. And so there, there's no way to compare him to, to anything that the Raptors have had in the past. And I, I don't know what the team is going to look like. There might be an adjustment period. Kyle Lowry might be upset and ornery, you know, or, or at least it might take him a little bit of time to warm up to the idea of playing with Kawhi and not having DeRozan in Toronto. But at the end of the day, I think the Raptors became a much better team. And that's really the bottom line okay so let's uh leave with this where do, how do the raptors do this season and does Kawhi leonard resign wolf on let's start with you i think the raptors have a good season um i i mean i, I don't know how many games Kawhi is gonna play uh because even apart from the hamstring injury like he's had some injury stuff in the past and he's never played more than i don't think 73 or 74 games in a season so I could see him coming in around like 65 games, and uh, DeRozan, you know, one of the one, one of his biggest strengths was his durability. You know, he was giving you 80 games pretty much every season, and uh, those 17 games without Kawhi will probably knock them back um, to being like a mid-50s win team. I don't think they'll top their win total from last year, but I do think they will be a better team. Do they, they go to the finals? Year. I, I honestly, I it's hard for me to call it between them and the Celtics, but I would put them as co-favorites to come out of the East. So I would expect those two teams to meet in the conference finals and for it to be a really good series. And um, I, man, I guess I'll just say no, they don't make the finals because it's easier to take the field. But I would put put them up there as a co-favorite. So and does, um, he, re- does he resign? No, Alex. Yeah, I agree with Wolfon. Like probably be like a 50 55 win team just because they have the core group together too right um 
in terms of where they make the finals, yeah, why not, man? I love I love believing in the Raptors. It's fun. <laughs> Does Kawhi Leonard resign? Yes. yes. Wow. Okay. Because yes. he does. Yeah. Okay. He, Alex. He's gonna resign. I I love believing in things that are like are not possible. Yeah. Probably definitely believing in the Raptors has never come back to bite us. Before. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in. I'm in again for one more year. Let's do it. I'm I'm saying they're a finals team, and he doesn't resign, and it's still okay, and they still made the right move. And on that note. Thanks for listening to this emergency episode of Pound the Rock. Please uh, don't forget to subscribe, download episodes, review us, rate us, do everything you need to do. Uh, and also check out any content we've got. Uh, like I said, Joe Wolfong wrote a great piece about the emotional cost of trading DeMar DeRozan. I wrote something on why this move was worth the risk that comes with it for Toronto. Yeah, and uh, keep reading, keep following, keep listening. Thanks.